Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 322, covering Broken Bow. Hi, friends. It's been a long time getting to hear from other Star Treks. Yeah. This is this is where we are now. Yep. We got we got faith of the heart is what we've got. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know this, any more lyrics. I was too busy looking at that uh, at pictures of ships. I do not intend to watch that opening uh, credits sequence ever again. Yeah, like, no. I will turn the sound off for in the interest of uh, keeping our copy synced up when we watch it together. But I, I don't want to ever hear that song again. But we'll we'll definitely get to that. The, the thing is, when we were watching Voyager, I became a master of being able to skip the entire title sequence exactly when I was watching. Oh yeah, it you know myself. to hit the fast forward button like two and a half times, and then there it yep. is. Or you see Tim Russ's name and you slow down because you know it's about to like. You know, whatever. Yep. It's like, okay. There's the uh, produced by. It's time to stop. Yeah. No, we'll we'll talk about that opening sequence more because that's that's one of I I'll I'll, I'll save this for the sake of um of of tension uh, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing but it's one of my things. Uh, but we'll we'll reveal that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we before we summarize, uh, first of all, I'd like to welcome any uh, new listeners, any people joining us for the first time because uh, we are starting a new series and. I, we always get this whenever we start a new thing, like, okay, I'm going to keep up with these guys this time. And then we usually lose you when the show starts yeah. to suck. And I appreciate that. Yeah. But, you know, I there probably are some people who haven't listened to us for a while or possibly listening for the first time. So uh, welcome. welcome. Yeah. Hey. Um, we have complicated feelings about what we're about to discuss. It's we not sure a do. straight up. It's not a straight up hate it or love it. It's definitely some lots of both. There's there's definitely a lot to talk about. I know that much. And and for that, I am thankful, truly. Like, uh-huh. I was worried it would just be, okay, here's season eight of Voyager. Like, mm-hmm. no, this is definitely, like, from a standpoint of a show that needs to discuss things, there's a lot of new things to talk about. So yeah. For Pa, that's good. As a Star Trek fan, maybe not. But as, mm. as a reviewer of Star Trek, it's good. Yeah. So, uh, that said, and we still don't know how this is pronounced, by the way. I don't think it's ever said out loud in the show. It isn't, which drives me nuts, because we, like, we went into this, and it's like, oh, so Broken Bow. I'm like, And then I'm like, I thought it was Broken Bow. Yeah, and I was like, Matt, don't be, wait, that's that's a that's a perfectly valid interpretation. Wait, Maybe shit. it is Broken Bow. I don't know. Yeah, I don't fucking know either. I don't care that much. Rick Berman, I- if you're listening and... I don't know why you would be, because I insult you on a regular basis. Please write in and tell us why, which one it is. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, please do that. And only that. I don't want you to defend any of your other horrible choices. Yeah, Just I don't give a shit about anything else you get up to. But write in and tell us if it's bow or bow. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, we fuck. could find out easily enough, because it's named after a place. Like, it's it's a town in Oklahoma where the, the opening scene happens. Yeah, but- I suppose. But I'd rather Rick Berman write into the show. Or Brandon Braga, because he probably wrote the the actual script. Brandon Braga, I'd have things to talk about. I, you know, again, like I used to just unqualified hate Brandon Braga, and I've really come to like it's it, that's also complicated. I used to hate Brandon Braga. Now they call me Three Finger Dan. <laughs> 
All right, let's let's uh, let's let's get this underway. Let's uh-huh. get this shit show started. Uh, and we broke this down in in halves, so Matt will uh, summarize the first bit of broken. Mm-hmm. So after a quick flashback to Kid Archer building a Star Wars model, we cut to the future of the future past, where some stretchy avocado aliens are chasing a Klingon through a farm. The avocado aliens explode, and the Klingon is shot by a farmer because Earth. I am so glad the right to bear arms continues to be a thing in future America. Awesome. So then we cut to Starfleet, where Captain Archer, played by Count Dracula, really wants to take his new ship, Enterprise, out into space. But he can't, because the racist, shouty Vulcans won't let him. When they find the shot Klingon, Archer offers to take the Enterprise and return him to his gross people. This pisses off the Vulcans and excites Admiral Cliff Clavin, so off they go. First we have to gather the crew. Trip Tucker, the Southern guy, Hoshi, the linguist, Mayweather, the army brat, Reed, the new Bashir who I kept getting confused with Trip, Dr. Phlox, literally the first doctor Archer saw after being told to find a doctor, and to Paul, the Vulcans sent along to make sure they don't screw it up. So the Klingon starts muttering, they hear him say Rigel, and that's a clue they need that they need to go there. Not like Rigel's a big system or anything. So then they visit a oh, oh, sexy bar and get attacked by more avocado people and captured, take it away, Al. <sighs> if I must. So it turns out the avocado people are called the Sulaban, which is a seriously unfortunate thing to call your antagonist in a show launching 15 days after 9-11. Also, they're involved in something called a temporal cold war, which is a seriously unfortunate thing to have in any show ever. <laughs> I guess these guys are trying to influence the past by interfering with Klingon politics? But never mind all that, Malcolm, or is it Trip? Seriously, it seems like they're the same guy doing two different ridiculous accents. No, it's Trip. Because in this case, because he says something like, boy, howdy, I plumb reckon my old grandpappy says this old hoot nanny is fixing to chicken fry possum. Anyway, that guy and T'Pol have been infected by something, so they have to angrily rub gel all over each other's nearly naked bodies. I mean, I have complained a lot about Starfleet's apparent lack of quarantine procedures over the years, but if this is what that looks like, I can see why it got phased out by Kirk's era. After the sexy rubdowns and Captain Archer's medically administered leeching, I swear to Christ I'm not making either of those things up, it's action-adventure time, and we spend about two and a half days of screen time chasing down the Sulaban. Then Archer faces down their leader in a scene that makes sense of exactly none of this. They deliver the Klingon to his people, apparently averting the temporal Cold War or possibly playing right into the Sulaban's hands. I did just tell you it didn't make any sense. Then Archer decides that they might as well just stay in deep space since he kind of enjoyed all this nonsense, completely ignoring the wishes of the hundred or so people on board who thought they were just signing up for a brief test mission. Thus establishing the first of many precedents for future Starship captains. Fuck your crew, just do what you want. Exactly. There's seriously, they they say they're going out for like four days. Yep. And he's like, you know what? Let's keep exploring space. And and for a series, I get it. It's Star Trek. You want to get on with it. But mm. your crew, maybe. For the guy downstairs who just wants to go back to his kid. Yeah, this is a temporary. It'd be cool to go to deep space for a week and then go back home. Yeah. But uh, who, who knows when we're coming back? But like, listen, it's my week for visitation rights. I got to get home. You think you think the enlightened future still has divorce? I think people are people, and they're always going to make stupid decisions and not like I, each other. No, 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 no. If if they've out if they've managed to get rid of poverty and war, which are two things that are always going to happen, at, like no matter what, then I think they probably also did away with divorce, which makes just as much sense. Ugh. 
those poor people. I, but not those poor people, because those no. don't exist. No, they don't exist anymore. Right. Okay, uh, there's a scene where Trip's like, yeah, we got rid of war and and poverty in just two years. Now, what do you think about that, Mr. Vulcan Man, sir? Mr. <laughs> big Shot Vulcan in your Big Shot Vulcan pants looking down on the little guy like you and me. I tell you what, Mr. Vulcan Man, you come on down here and talk to me on my damn planet. Now, I'm just a simple country lawyer, but... <laughs> yeah. Okay, the the thing is, uh, there's a couple of big concepts that I don't love right off the bat. I really don't like the Vulcans being sort of the parent race. The, there's like, such assholes in this. Yeah, and that's going to be, a, like, that's the premise of the show, is this picks up, like, uh, I think 50 or 100 years after First Contact, mm-hmm. after, you know... They uh, say it's Zephram, 100 years after First Contact. Yeah, okay, 100. I, I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Like, yeah, after we saw Zephram Cochran meet the, the Vulcans at the end of First Contact, like, this picks up... Okay, and then we started moving toward what will be Star Trek. And the, in, in itself, that's not bad, but basically it's not we made friends with the Vulcans and they see us as equals. It's like, they are the bosses of the galaxy and they won't let us do anything. Yeah, like, we're... I never got that impression in any of Star Trek that that was what the case was. Yeah, like the Vulcans are like, like, our friends for crying out loud. Yeah, the the very first Star Trek was all about the two best friends, humans and Vulcan, like Kirk and Spock. And like I've they, like I've always know. thought like one of the things with Vulcans was that like they have their own like logic thing, but they see the value in all like in other people. That's what they, that's what idic means, you know, yeah, like infinite diversity. But apparently they hate humans and they don't think we're ready for things. And Archer's whole thing, mm-hmm. he's he's real bitter because his dad uh, helped develop the first like I think it was warp five uh, engine. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Vulcans wouldn't give him the technology to finish it. So they wouldn't let him like they wouldn't give him the answers to the test. Yeah. And he's mad about that. Like. Okay, like, like the you're whole the one who has to do it. Yeah, like it just it really bugs me that the the that like the the Vulcans contacted us because we you know because we invent we finally invented warp drive, which means we yeah, finally they, they, have a, they def, they define a certain milestone that makes you worth being contacted, and that's warp drive. Yeah, you got warp drive. Okay, so now you're going to be traveling around space. It, it's you're it's time for you to have a place at the table. What it's bug- basically time for you to level up, and we're the guys to get you there. Yeah, what bugs me is the idea that that's not true at all, and what their their whole deal is to, okay, well, you guys are out in space now, so we got to keep an eye on you because you're fucking dumb. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna cripple your ship so they can't go very fast. Yeah, and we're gonna like keep. They have these huge databases because the the Vulcans have been in space for a long time. Mm. They have language databases. They have culture databases. They know about a lot of the aliens out there already, and they're not giving that information to uh, Earth. I, I guess they're already Starfleet. They're not the Federation yet, but they are already Starfleet. Yeah, Starfleet yeah. exists. It's like a it's like an evolution of NASA. I think. Yeah, that's fine. But like, um, I just the, I don't I, like the, that whole Vulcan thing. The the idea that like they're like. Just them being like, no, you guys, like, you guys are gross. Okay, why is it up to them? Why yeah. Can't, if if humans are capable of building a warp engine, can't they just go where they want? Yeah, like, it, like is it just because they're the smartest guys in the room? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And it, it's, it's a weird thing for Star Trek, like, humans to just accept. Where it it's like, the, like... Vul- the Vulcans show up and it looks like, okay, this is the way of things. Like, the... I'm sorry, but the the human idea is would feels to me like fuck you. We're doing this anyway. Yeah, and it automatically makes our guys seem like jerks. And yeah, 
this is this is actually kind of ties into we we picked uh, two good things and two bad things since this is technically like a double episode. Mm. Uh, this is one good thing I I picked for part two. Uh, Archer, like our our main guy, our heroic like protagonist. Mm. Um, his whole thing is being unreasonable like i the thing is okay i don't like all that vulcan stuff but all that said i kind of sympathize with them because the humans are kind of jerks and archer like i don't see what his main heroic trait is i don't see what the thing like cisco was a builder and picard was a diplomat and janeway was a scientist and this guy squints (laughs) that's like what is he archer feels like a guy doing a job but he's he's kind of harsh. He's like unlikable. Like he's very yeah. he's very curt to all of his um, uh, uh, crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, also to the Vulcans, but also to his crew. He's not kind, and he does a lot of that like sort of brash, arrogant stuff that Kirk did. Only Kirk was charming, so that made it easier to swallow. Yeah, and he's not charming. No, he he just sort of comes off like a jerk. Yeah, and. It's fine if you're a jerk who's great at your job, but he doesn't seem particularly good at his job. Well, he doesn't seem terribly interested in it, you know? Like, Yeah, he's there to prove his daddy, like to, to make up for what how his daddy got wronged, and that was it. I just, like, this is the pilot, and this is the new captain. Like, we need to have something to latch onto with this guy, and there's nothing here yet. Now, granted, I will give them that Picard surrendered in his pilot. Uh, sure. Sis- Cisco hated Picard, who we at that point loved mm-hmm. in his pilot. Janeway was We didn't hired like her the, in the pilot either. Janeway was hired the day before and Kate Mulgrew didn't have a feel for the character yet. Like mm-hmm. like all the captains are not particularly likable in the pilot yeah. and and original series didn't really do pilots the way we know them now so that doesn't really No, that, that that's a, a fair a comparison. point. Yeah. So he could grow into it, but right now I don't see any trait of his that could develop into something likable. He mm-hmm. seems just petulant and and uh, like pissy and that's it. That's all. The other, the other um, thing that really bugs me is he's like we the last two Star Treks the the captain was a black guy or a woman and now we're mm-hmm. back to bland white dude. Eh, I and don't. I mean, that it, they, to me, it feels like a huge step back to just be all like, eh. There should be there should be more diversity. There absolutely should be, but I don't necessarily think every captain always like. I mean, yeah. Now there's been three white guys. That's not great. And thankfully, Discovery is going to going to fix that a little bit. Mm. But I think overall on the ship, there should be like there's only two women. Yeah. And only one human woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's some there, like there's some diversity problems. There. I ju- the whole thing feels very step backy to me. Like, yeah. And not just because it's a prequel. No, and not not just because it's a prequel. Like everything feels like it's trying to get back to the original, the feel of the original series, without anything that made the original series fun to watch. Well, first of all, it's not the '60s, so you can't get away with a lot of the stuff. That, That's true. That made that good. Like the, that was of its time, and you can't really duplicate that now. You have to move forward, and and there were some definite moves forward, like more in the production and the visual. Yeah, aspect the, of, the, the the look of the show is pretty on point, I would say. Honestly, we were talking about this just now, and I think this is the best looking Star Trek we've seen. Like not counting movies, like just mm. TV series, like. Uh, they go to a lot of different unique locations. We see, like, at no point did I feel like we were on that terrible Planet Hell set. Yeah, um, no, everything everything looks like it was shot, like, on location. Even yeah, if that location and, is a weird warehouse. Yeah. Um. At one point, there's snow. 
which is such a small thing, but it made me realize I don't think they've ever bothered with that detail before. They've never made it snow on a planet. Like that was something. And like everything, like they being the pilot, it was a little bigger. They had a little more money and they visited a lot of locations and it felt like they were moving around to a lot of different cool places. And I like that. Mm -hmm. Like, and overall the design, the, the new uniforms, the ship, like things look pretty cool. I don't like how drab gray the enterprise is, but the actual look of it, the design of it, I like. Yeah. I just I wish the outside of it wasn't dark rust gray. I think I, I it feels like they're trying to do the submarine thing. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah. No, and the inside of it is fine. I wish it was a little better lit or something or a little more like I like the shape of everything. I just wish there were a little more a few more colors. Yeah. That's all. Like the the design of it all looks good. I just wish there was, I don't know, more lighting or or brighter colors or something to make it look to make it pop a little because the uniforms are nice. They're kind of this nice bridge between modern military uniforms and Starfleet. But mm. because they're navy blue against dark gray, it's just there's not much going on color wise. Yeah, you know? you're you're absolutely right. That that's all. But but the actual look of everything, like the the uniforms themselves, look cool. Yep. And the ship looks cool. A lot of the 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 apparatus. Look it definitely neat, looks uh, like a prototype for like the Enterprise that's to come. Yeah, you know, and given given that they had to make it look like it came before the '60s, that's a hard thing to do, and mm-hmm. I think they did a pretty good job of that. Yeah, um, a lot of little touches that I liked. Um, I I used to work as a defense contractor years ago, and there's just a nice little thing. Everything comes in these big plastic containers with little like part number tags on them, which is something no one would ever notice or care about, but it's a thing that exists in the actual military now, and it was yeah. just like, hey. That looks like a real thing I've seen before. Nice. Yeah. Good job, guys. And, like, as Starfleet should feel like military, because since we're not at the Federation yet, we're yeah. not, like, I mean, we're exploring, but, like... No, but this is basically the Air Force that has now gone into space. Exactly. And I, I guess uh, Earth has come together because we've got people from different countries, mm-hmm. but uh, that's it. So it's not just the U.S. military. Yeah. It still feels very, like just earth based. it's weird it, it's weird to me that it's like we're, we're we're together but we don't have the federation yet mm, no the thing is you have to unite earth before you not you unite the alpha quadrant like i get that but i i guess it's not even like we have an earth federation no the the, the i think i if i understand correctly and i could be wrong and mm. i don't want people to correct us on this stuff because let us find out as it goes yeah but i'm pretty sure the the concept of the show is building the federation well, that's, that's cool. one of one of the main threads is figuring out how to get along with the Vulcans and then bringing in the Andorians and the Tellarites and forming the Federation. Like, I'm pretty sure the series ends with the formation of the Federation. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Or cl- or close to it. Yeah. Like, they, they make steps toward it. So, I like that. All right. I'm in, I'm in for that. Yeah. No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things, but overall it felt like, like, the main, my main thing was, this is not a story I needed to, like, you said this, like, mm. why, who asked for this? Yeah, the th- like, it, it's the, it's the Patton Oswalt bit. We don't, we don't need to see the beginning of everything. Yeah. So if you're going to do a prequel series about the, about the creation of the Federation, you, you better put your fucking A game on. Yeah. And it didn't really feel like that. It felt, you know, it, it's very different than Voyager. Yeah. And it felt like there's some potential here. Like there's, there's a lot to like, but it didn't blow me away. It wasn't like, yeah, I'm in. This is great. It was like, eh, this is pretty good. That's the, like, I don't have any connection with any of this crew so far, really. Well, we've only watched them for 90 minutes. It's, I mean, that's, that's true. Really fair. This is, I was talking to Mal when I was watching it the other night, and I turned around and go, this is the first Star Trek I've ever watched where I don't know the names of the characters. 
like I didn't watch Voyager, but I could when it was on the air. But I could name every one of those guys. Yeah, but that's just because you're not familiar with it. That's not necessarily the show's fault. That's it's, just because... it's not a, like a, it's not a bad thing. It's, it was just it was a strange thing for me. Yeah, for your experience, and we'll have the same with uh, with Discovery when we watch it. Like everybody's new to us, and it won't there won't be years of pop culture telling us who these guys are. Mm. There won't be all all sorts of internet memes where like, okay, I know who Neelix is because I've seen dumb pictures of Neelix on Tumblr. Yeah, whatever, you know. No, one of the things that always happens to me when I watch a new, like a new pilot or like a new TV show is like, okay, so that's this guy, that's this guy, that's this guy. Yeah, no, and especially in a big ensemble show, you got to keep everybody straight. <laughs> it's one of the problems I had when I tried to watch The Wire. Oh, yeah. No, just, that that that's definitely it takes a little while. Like, um, wait, so who's that guy? It, it helps for Star Trek because you have those pre-established roles. Mm-hmm. So you can at least say, okay, that's the engineer. Yeah. That's the security guy. Like that helps you define who they are whereas on a show on the wire they're either cops or they're criminals mm-hmm. and that doesn't give you enough to work with you need you need more to latch on to yeah no the other um, thing like the other thing is like we both like we both joke about this but fucking trip and reed look so much like the same goddamn person and they both have ridiculous accents yeah and it just feels like a guy just running across the room changing uniforms fixing his hair and doing a different voice it re- like they're not even they're not even different uniforms like they're both red shirts oh so they are yeah and they're you know they're both white guys with like very yeah. similar hair yeah no, and I, just, they're basically the same guy so like i had no like i could i was having trouble telling these guys apart until they opened their mouths i thought trip and tucker were two different people I, and then when you said that, I was like, wait, they are. So, yeah, I I don't know either. It's like, <laughs> it's a bit of a rough start for a new series. Yeah, and there are a lot of, like, the thing is, I talked, like, I've talked a lot over the years about uh, Enterprise being bland white guys. And mm-hmm. the thing is, those two guys and then and then Archer, who, again, has no, like, he squints. That's all he does. Is yep. It looks like he's, it looks like someone's about to ask him better one or two all yeah. the time. Like that's that's his only and and Flonk pointed out some time ago that he looks like George W. Bush and now I can't unsee that. <laughs> so thanks for that. Oh um, man, yeah. And I don't have like I never watched Quantum Leap. I'm not going to badmouth Quantum Leap, but I've never seen it, and so I don't have any pre-established opinion of Scott Bakula. Like, yeah. A lot of people came into this and like, ooh, I love this guy from a different show. Yeah. First of all, that's not really fair to say. You liked him in a different show, therefore he's going to be great here. No, yeah. you got to judge him on his own merits. And second, I'm not impressed so far. Yeah, no. The only thing I know, Scott, back like I never watched Quantum Leap. What I did watch was NCIS New Orleans with my dad. Yeah, that's that where like I know Scott show. Bakula from. And he was briefly in uh, Desperate Housewives, so I knew him from that. He was mm. okay in that. Actually, there's a, a murderous character from that show as well who uh, played uh, Archer's dad. Oh yeah, his murderous father. Yeah, so that was nice. Trying to Bill build this Star Wars kite. Yeah, or something. I don't know. Those flashbacks were boring. Oh, my God. I don't care about yet another guy's fucking daddy issues. No, and the thing is, maybe if after season one, where we spent 26 episodes getting to know the guy, if we then flashback, like, okay, what made him the guy he is? Yeah. Now? But right now, I don't know enough about him to care about his childhood. Yeah. Like, and I get it was laying the plot thing, which is his dad never got to build his thing because the mean Vulcans didn't help him. Yeah, but they also tell us that. Like, that never shows up in any of the fucking flashbacks. The flashbacks are all about him building a model with his father. Like, yeah, but what they were, what they were trying to do was enforce, like, reinforce the idea that he was close with his dad so that that's why that hurts. And I get it, but 
it just it didn't really add anything to the story for me. Yeah. It didn't like his acting didn't do anything to give the character any subtlety like or or, or depth. It was like those flashback scenes were it. That's all he got uh-huh. as far as development went, and that's not great. Um, my good thing for let's for part one. It doesn't matter. Just we picked two good sure. things, two bad things. Um, let's get this out of the way up front. Puppy, there is the, a puppy. Porthos the Beagle puppy yes. is wonderful. I've said this on the show before, and I want to say this one more time. Um. When the show aired in 2001, and I was watching it, like, I watched it for the first season and a half. Like, mm-hmm. I watched it for a while. And I wasn't all that into it, but I loved the dog. Uh, in in early 2002, I adopted a beagle basically because of this show. Yeah. Like, uh, unfortunately, we, we lost her earlier this year. Oh. Uh, she was I mean, she was around for 15 years. Like, that's a, that's, look, that's, that's a, a good age for a dog. For a yeah. But the reason I got a beagle was, like, I wanted a dog, like, all along. The show mm. didn't make me want to get a dog. But I was thinking, what breed? And this beagle, like, yeah, a beagle. That would be a great dog. Yeah. And so my dog, my my, my late dog, Checkers, uh, may, may she howl in peace, um, <laughs> was was acquired because of uh, because of Porthos here. This is a cute little puppy. Yep. I There's, the, like, that's it. The captain has a dog, which uh, I yeah. guess works in his favor. <laughs> I don't know. That dog was fu- that dog's fucking wagging wagging a hole in the ship. Oh my god! You couldn't see his tail; it was blurred because it was wagging so fast. That, I don't know about anyone else on this show, but that dog was real happy to be on Star Trek. Yep, he's a big fan. Oh yeah, he was a big fan of that vicious creature. <laughs> <laughs> and also, he had a lot invested in uh, Janeway. I hope she gets back to her dogs. Is that, Every dog week. With the, is that dog with a spike on his head here? I always wanted to meet him. That dog's been long long dead. Oh. <laughs> Can I meet his owner? No. <laughs> that also guy's dead. also long dead. <laughs> uh, uh, what was what was your... I don't know. Pick a good thing. Tell me something good. Ah, fuck. Um, I like Hoshi, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's the linguist. She's like the, like, she's not just a communications officer. She's also, we don't have the universal translator yet. So her job is to figure out alien languages sort yeah. of off the top of her head. Like, uh, okay, this is the first time I've ever hearing this. Let's see if we can figure out what they're saying. That's insane when you think about it. Yeah. No, I, 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 I kind of like that. Who, and we talked about this during the show, like the, um, like they basically lure her onto the ship by playing some Vulcan or some Klingon. Yeah, talking. she's like she's she's teaching a language class, and uh, Archer's like, "I want you to come with me." She's like, "Space, ugh, no, I don't want to do that. I'm a teacher." Yeah, he's like, here's some tantalizing intellectual thing. Oh crap! Okay, yeah. I like that. That was a good. That was a good moment. No, I mean, basically, my good things were I I hooked on to Hoshi, and I like uh, Mayweather. Um, the concept. I, of, I like the idea of Mayweather. That, I'm not sold yeah. on his performance yet. His but. his deal is basically he was like he's like an army brat type guy. Where yeah, his dad's like a merchant marine or something. Like he's moved around in space. Yeah, a lot. so he's, basically he's, we've got a guy who's been in space and he's like he's been around all his life. And because Starfleet hasn't really existed yet, none of these other guys, like all these seasoned military guys, haven't actually been to deep space. So yeah. this kid has seen way more than these you know old guys have, which yeah. I like. And that's a con- like I like the concept of the guy who's like everyone else is like out in sp- in weird new space, and this guy's just like yeah, no, I've been around. Yeah, space is cool. I haven't seen these particular guys, but I've seen guys like this. Yeah. Also, I know the part of the ship where you can hang upside down. That's pretty cool. That's sort of that's that's uh that's something I kind of like about the whole idea of the show is that 
we don't have everything yet. Um, no, I love that. I love building. Like, I again, I don't love it as a concept, but once now we're here, let's do that. Let's let's show how these things came, you know, came to be. Yeah, but like, so we don't have like, um, like one of the things, and this ties into one of your good things. Like the doctor, Doctor Flux, has, like, he he can't just cure everything with a fucking hypo spray or like a medical tricorder. So he's right. got like all these boxes of like weird animals and like. Yeah. Um, well, he, I, I wasn't kidding in my summary when I said uh, uh, Archer got a leeching. Like yeah. That, and that sounds crazy, but it's actually kind of cool. Like, he's like, you know what? Human DNA. Let's see. Yeah, I think this will work. Yeah. And it's, he's, it, it, it's really neat. And it's definitely something that has never shown up on Star Trek before. Like, nope. all, what I like okay. all Starfleet medical is so is so clinical and like precise. Or Bones, who doesn't know anything about anything except humans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I get your point. But having no, like the- a guy who's just like, I fucking got a ferret here that excretes an oil that'll cure your chicken pox. So let's yeah. get on to that. No, what I, what I like about him, I like that. But I also like um, he's part of a cultural exchange program. So like mm-hmm. it, the thing that we saw later on where, where like Riker got to work on a Klingon ship. This is like the early part of that, which I like. Um, and so presumably some human doctors working with his species and he's working with these guys. Yeah. And the thing is, you've only got two non-humans on the ship. I mean, if you don't count Porthos, you sure. only got two non-human aliens on the ship. <laughs> um, and and T'Pol is kind of a jerk because that's how the Vulcans roll. And this guy isn't. This yeah. guy, I, you get the feeling from him. You know what? Yeah, I am. I am a more like more seasoned alien guy. I've seen a lot of weird shit. You want to come down here sometime? I'll tell you all about it. This yeah. stuff is cool, man. And it's nice to have one sympathetic alien along with the one who's less sympathetic. Exactly. He That's he funny. also he feels like the guy who stands by the when everyone else is going off on the away mission he stand he's standing by the door handing out condoms. <laughs> well, this is a part I really didn't like, and this we'll get into this more in a minute. But there's there's the whole sexiness. Oh God, yeah. And basically, when they go to Rigel, whatever Rigel nineteen, every every planet in Rigel is uh, is inhabited. I think. Um, uh, Paul literally says, like, she doesn't say these, these words, but this is the, the, what she says. Don't fuck anything. Yeah. Like, so hey, I hear they got three boobs. And she's just like, guys, don't, don't put your dick in things. Don't, just don't. And they get there and it's like, hey, I want to put my dick in that. Stop it. Don't put your what dick you, in it. What a, like, why are you doing this, Star Trek? This is gross. This, this is not show- funny. This show stinks of trying to do the this ain't your daddy's Star Trek. Oh boy. While at the same time it's supposed to be your granddaddy's Star Trek. Well, that's the thing. It's it keeps saying it ain't your da- it ain't your daddy's Star Trek and it keeps showing us things we've seen a million fucking times on Star Trek. Well, the sexiness is definitely like uh, elevated to a new level. We have the the sexy butterfly dance. Yeah. Well, we've been saying this since rubs. the fucking show started. Se- Star Trek wouldn't know sexy if it ran up and bit it on the ass. No, and that's always been true. Yeah. Like, the only time it's been sexy is when it's not trying. Yeah. Like, so we, we talked about this. Well, uh, I, I don't think we talked about it on the show yet. T'Pol plays her character, like, and maybe this will back off a little, but she always sticks her pouty lips out, and she's always sort of thrusting her chest out, and it's like, she's the sexy one, and she knows it. Yeah. Whereas... Seven of Nine was also that character, and Jerry Ryan did not play her that way. She was sexy because she wasn't trying to be. She just was. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Like Absolutely a- no. <clears throat> like, there's there's no, with, with with Seven, there was no, like, like 
she's clearly not trying to do anything. I mean, she other wasn't than sexualized, being a she giant just woman sex. in fucking spandex. Like, yeah, and T'Pol is just like, like seriously, she's got the lips that she's sticking way out. Like, look at my big, sexy, pouty lips. Yeah, and like just walking like with a se- like she's a Vulcan. She's not supposed to be like that. Mm-hmm. It's a little disappointing, but yeah. Anyway, to to get back to the original point, I liked. Uh, the guy that I'm going to struggle not to call Dr. Flonk every time. Oh, every episode is going to be this. Yeah. I'm glad you said Flocks once, because uh-huh. it's going to be hard not to. Dr. Flonk? No, and the thing is, my, I remembered him being very Neelix-y. Like, the actor has a very uh, Ethan Phillips quality they, to him. They, they sound the, and they dress the same, is, yeah. I think, the big the, sort of thing. The alien design is not identical, certainly, but it's similar. Mm-hmm. And the guy's sort of a, a short, middle-aged guy who's got kind of a voice like this. How you doing? Um, yeah, but... He's pretty cool. Uh-huh. And I hope he stays that way. So far, he's, like, apart from uh, Porthos, he's the best one. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm open to this. I like Hoshi as well, to get back to your thing. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't like is I like that there is one character who doesn't want to be in space and who's freaked out by everything. I yeah. don't like, because there's only two women, I don't like that that's her job. No, that's the kind of thing you give to, like, Reed or something. Yeah, but, like, when the warp engines kick in, she's like, oh, what is that? And, so- like... The, the gravity doesn't feel right. And like, oh, I'm a little sick. Like, I, I kind of like that space is so new that this person who's only ever been on Earth on the ship now is like, oh, this is not pleasant for me. Yeah, no. But, and there, there's the scene in the big shootout, the big Mass Effect shootout at the halfway point where, like, they basically have to, like, rescue her and sort of shuffle her away because she's not in the actual yeah. fight. It's like, don't give that to the woman. Come on. Yeah, I don't mind that there is a character like that. But the fact that the, the thing is, if there were more women, yeah. that would be OK. Like. This is, this is, uh, I was schooled on, on feminist representation by my wife, so this mm. isn't just me, like, trying to mansplain it here. Um, my wife obviously knows everything about all this, so, <laughs> you know. No, for real, I get this. I get, if you have more women, then some of them can be weak. If you only have a couple, then it kind of falls to, like, you know, now you, now this represents all women, so she's got to carry yeah. a lot of bullshit. And, uh, if they had a few more, if it wasn't just her and T'Pol, then... She could be like that, but yeah. because she's the only human woman on the show, like she kind of has to not be terrible. Mm-hmm. And I like the character. Let's let's be clear. I just don't, you know. She needs to. She needs to be stronger. Yeah. Um. And after two shows with some really great strong women characters too. You yeah. Know? I mean, we had some problems with Voyager, but the women pretty much across the board. Women nailed it in Voyager. Yeah. Yeah. From from Janeway on down. Yeah. Um. Let's, I don't know, you know. and I mean, again, this is the pilot, so I mean, yeah, God we gotta, knows they can improve yeah. on this stuff. No, we're we're kind of extrapolating from what we've seen here what's going to happen later, and we could be wrong. Like, I don't remember much about that first season, to be honest. I so. watched half of the first episode, and I have never seen a single other episode of Enterprise. I saw the first season in a bit, and then I watched a handful from season four, which everyone says was great. And mm. uh, I think they're wrong, but maybe I'm mistaken. I remember fucking this came out. And first, I found out it was a prequel. Mm-hmm. I found out it was a prequel that didn't look like it was something that would become the original the series. 60s. Yeah. And I found out that they weren't calling it Star Trek. Yeah. And those two things are just like, well, fuck this show. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if they took Star Trek out just because if like, I've heard different theories about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like the answer was in that 50-year mission book, and I forgot. Like, I read the bits about Enterprise, and because I hadn't really seen the show, and I wasn't all that familiar with it a couple months ago, like, yeah. I'm going to have to read it again, because a lot of it didn't sort of sink in, because it was I didn't have a lot of context for it. Yeah. But as I recall, like, it wasn't 
it wasn't a marketing thing so much as it was this isn't the Federation, like this isn't Star Trek yet. They will mm. earn the name Star Trek as they go. And if that's the case, I guess I get it. But yeah. the the first thing we see is a Klingon and then a spaceship. Exactly. Like, it's it's Star Trek and the transporter and phasers. It's all there already. Like, like if you're trying to convince me that this, this isn't Star Trek, like you're doing a piss poor job. Yeah. It definitely feels like Star Trek. Not necessarily exactly what I want from Star Trek, but it definitely feels like it's, it's a type of Star Trek. The there's a I like the idea of them having limitations because certain things don't exist. Like there's a lot of stuff we take for granted from from Kirk's era on just exactly. that always existed. And I like that. I like that we don't have them yet. I like this is my this is sort of a double edged sword here because I like that the transporter is only for cargo because it doesn't work on people yet. And they're mm-hmm. a little scared of it. Like I like that. And they set that up at the beginning and at the end they use it to rescue someone. And it's like already like. It would have been cool if we'd spent a whole season being terrified of the transporter and then pulled it out and said, well, let's try it. It's the only way we can save the captain. Then yeah. it would have been a good dramatic moment. But taking the transporter away from us for an hour, like, doesn't yeah. really work for me. You know what I mean? Like, take it away for a while. So, but you know there, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, there were a lot of things like that that I did like. Like, they don't have a tractor beam yet. Instead, they have a physical arm yeah, that it's shoots like out a, like a robot arm, a grabo arm. Yeah. It's I a like Canada that. arm. Yeah. I, I assume uh, Canada of the future built that. Yeah. We built the first one. Yeah. I, I, I'm well aware of the Canada arm. Thank you. <laughs> Other people might not be. They're probably not. And you should look it up. The Canada arm. It's, yeah. It's a thing. That, that was their con- contribution to the International Space Station, and they won't shut up about it. Hey, we we don't have a lot here, okay? You have a lot there. What are you talking about? Listen, man, you grow up. You grow up being being America's next door neighbor. Yeah, but you guys have low self esteem. But you're you're great, man. You're, you're just the you're the pretty girl that no one told was pretty. And we have to keep proving it. I know. No, I, there's a there's a comedy troupe I really like from the early '80s, The Frantics, who mm-hmm. mentioned because the Canada Arm was sort of current news at that point, like made it a punchline constantly. <laughs> Not even making fun of it, just like worked it into jokes and stuff. <laughs> so I know all about the Canada Arm. Excellent. Anyway, sorry. You then were my work here is done. You were saying with the transporter and so forth. Oh fuck! I was just thinking about this. I would love if the phaser um, hadn't been developed as having a stun setting yet. Like, oh was, yeah, this, this will kill guys, and that's it. So please be careful. This thing is fucking dangerous. So don't also, fuck around might, with it. It might explode in your hand. Like maybe it's a thing we just created right now in the situation, and it hasn't been tested yet. Like stuff like that would be cool. Like we finally invented like the laser gun. Basically, I would love it if Malcolm. Sorry, Malcolm. 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 Which one is the security guy? The British one. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Malcolm Reed. Okay, yes, but not. Okay, here's another problem. There's a character in the thick of it, uh, played by Peter Capaldi, who is now uh, uh, the Doctor on Doctor Who. Mm. Uh, The the swearing Scottish guy. You've probably seen clips of him. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. His name is Malcolm Tucker. Oh no, that doesn't help me tell the difference between Malcolm and Tucker. Here. Oh, God. Because I am well aware of a pre-existing uh, fictional character named Malcolm Tucker. That's hurting me. Anyway, Malcolm, like, it would be cool as the security guy for him out in the field to invent the first phaser and for mm-hmm. it to be kind of fucked up and doesn't work right. And then he takes it back home to Earth and they perfect it. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing would be like, neat. Well, like, what if the, 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 the farmer guy at the beginning of the episode, he's just got, like, a shotgun. Yeah, no, he had a laser gun, which I No, he does have a laser gun. I'm just saying it would be cool. Yeah. 
like the phaser is like a brand new thing and it's fucking dangerous if we're bridging like modern time and really this is what like um the the the, this is one thing i did remember from the 50-year mission the pitch for this show was everyone's in sneakers (laughs) that was and, and yeah that that like because that's the way to ground it in modern 21st century like it, it's and actually this is my we're bringing back this old bit uh, oh yeah the alternate doing the alternate titles again my alternate title is Star Trek in sneakers I got uh, <laughs> broken little bow <Bo-wo. laughs> uh I, I think it's bow wow Matt uh I, yeah I have no proof of that sorry okay if Lil Bowo wants to write in and tell us how to say his name. <laughs> I'd appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're like the, the, the farmer already has like a, a rifle, like a like a laser rifle. I don't yeah. know that. Also, he shoots his silo full of corn and it just explodes like it's a fucking like the Death Star. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, what did you shoot it with? Yeah. This is the Klingon anti-silo gun. I, I guess. And all I could think is the corn. <laughs> Paul Newman's <laughs> going to have my legs, bro. All I could think was that sounded like a silo tipping over. That sounded like a pig fainting. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's see. Have we covered our good things? I think we more or less. Yeah, we have. Let's start talking about bad things. Yeah. Okay. What do you got? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. We sort of mentioned this already, but like for a show that's supposed to be about the beginning of Star Trek, as we know, there's not very much that's memorable about this show. Like no. Uh, it, it certainly wasn't. It looks good, but the crew's not remarkable. I spent half the time thinking that Trip and Tucker were two different characters. There's nothing to latch onto here. Yeah, and it's a no, new right. show. It's the first episode of a new show in a new time period. You need to give us something. Well, the thing is, and and a lot of people will defend it and say, "Well, the pilot." And it's like, you know what? This of of the modern Rick Berman era Star Trek. This is now the fourth pilot they've done. They should know how to make a pilot at this point. They do know how to make a pilot at this point. Fucking DS Nine has a good pilot. Yeah, well, name another one. Uh, that caretaker wasn't terrible. <laughs> caretaker at least got you completely hooked on what the premise was. Yep. Whether it was good or bad is irrelevant. They did. You knew who all the characters were. You knew what the situation was. Like they got you in the Delta Quadrant. They got the uh, the the Starfleet guys and the Maquis guys together. Like all the pieces were in place. Here it's like, hmm, who's that guy? What what is his deal? So yeah, I don't know. I I feel like and and the thing is. Other non-Star Trek shows, like, I have a very, like, this is, a lot of people who know me, like, uh, know this very well. I have very little patience. Like, I watch a lot of things, Mm -hmm. and if a show does not win me over, I give up on it. I get, like, I usually give it, usually if it has a good premise, I'll give it the pilot plus one. Mm -hmm. But these days, with so many good shows on, like, if you can't win me over in that first hour, I got other shit to do, man. Yeah, man, you you don't even want to see my fucking Netflix to watch list. Like, Jesus. Yeah. But the thing is, I would go through that list and I'd watch, uh, I'd, I'd weed it out by watching a lot of pilots and s- deciding it wasn't for me. Because at mm-hmm. this point in in TV, and I think Enterprise was already getting to this point, like in 2001, we were already to this point. Pilots gotta, gotta, gotta grab you. There's too much other things vying for your attention. You gotta really nail it. Yeah. And there's, yeah, okay, there's a 26 episode season. They'll get there. But come on, man, like mm. get, get me engaged I, or I'll go watch something else. Yeah. So all that said, I'm in new Twin Peaks for all 18 episodes, even if it's going to be tiresome and tedious, which I have found it to be a bit. Yeah. No, there's no way I'm not like. Yeah. For some reason, that show gets a pass, though. Every other show gets the pilot plus one. Look, I may not have waited the full 25 years, but I did wait a while. I did. 
But I'd say uh, five years. Yeah. That's, you know. Anyway, uh, no, I get you, and I I feel like they should be better at grabbing us with a pilot. Yeah. At this point, and it was all right, but you know. Um, my sort of honestly, my big thing with this first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to judge this early, but with all of this Dawn of the Federation stuff we got going on, we really, really don't need to be having a war with the future. Oh, boy. Like, I went into this knowing that Temporal Cold War is, like, sort of the, the big arc for, like, the first chunk of this show. Well, okay, the, real, real quick. The bright side is we've complained throughout Voyager that they weren't allowed to serialize. Serialization is back, so yeah. yay for that. But the, the, the downside of that is our arc is Temporal Cold War. This is the thing. You have enough stories to tell about the about the Dawn of the Federation oh, yeah. without having to go into the future. Like, um, here's the thing that this show never, I know for a fact this show never gets to, is the big war with the Romulans. Yeah, when what I did back in the day, because I'm a big old nerd, is when they said exactly when the show would be set, I went to my Star Trek chronology book and I said, okay, what happens mm-hmm. then? What may happen in the show? Ooh, the Romulan War is right Right, right in the 21, whatever, like whatever year yep. it is. I don't remember offhand. Like that must be what the show is going to be about. That's cool. We always said like the Romulans were, had a lot of potential, but they never did enough of them. What if we saw the beginning of that? That'd be yeah. cool. And it doesn't happen. Like, honestly, you're doing a new Star Trek show. You're, in my opinion, you're done with time travel. I mean, ideally. Uh, like, I mean, first of all, Voyager did all of the time travels. So mm-hmm. th- there's no more time travel left for Enterprise. Secondly, time travel doesn't actually get discovered in Star Trek until uh, Kirk's Enterprise fucking discovers it. Uh, I don't know. Like, I get, like, I don't love most time travel episodes. There's a handful I like. But I totally get that that is a thing people expect from a Star Trek show. At some point, these guys are going to have to go back in time and do a thing in one or two episodes. That's fine. But for it to be a main staple of the show, that I Yeah, like, for us to be, we're at war with the future. That's a dumb fucking concept. And it does, okay, Seriously, a Cold War, like the Cold War, mm-hmm. was when the U.S. and the Soviet Union quietly tried to influence uh, countries against each other and slowly build up arms. And the whole point was it was a Cold War in that it wasn't being openly fought. There was exactly. a lot of spy stuff. There was a lot of intrigue. There was a lot of undermining, like like causing a revolution in this country, which would subtly hurt your enemy, but never actually shooting at your enemy. What does that mean in the context of time travel, really? Like, that doesn't, those words don't go together. Well, we've sort of seen a bit of that if, like, the future is influ- trying to influence, like, the way the Klingon Empire works. Yeah. I can that's sort of That's not a Cold that. War, though. That's that's openly interfering. It's that's not a hot subtly. war. Yeah, that's just a war. <laughs> we just say war. We don't have to say one-parter. <laughs> that's one hot war. Yeah. No, really, though, it, it, like, I don't understand how the concept of a Cold War applies to this, and I could be wrong. I haven't seen all of this. As I understand, the show never figures it out either, and they just kind of drop it. Because one of the um, uh, uh, temporal investigations books that I read was basically meant to tie all the loose ends up and make sense of the temporal Cold War. Ah. Because the show never did. Oh, good. Okay. Well, that's something to look forward to. But maybe, maybe it's one of those things, because... That's what I hear. I don't know. And a lot of people also say, you wouldn't know this because you didn't watch the show. A lot of people say Lost never gave us answers. Not true. They did. You weren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. So that said, maybe the Temporal Cold War does have a satisfying uh, answer if you're paying attention. And people are just dumb. 
Like that's a possibility. And yeah. if that's the case and this all turns out, okay, then I will eat my words. But right now it seems like a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. And it also feels like they're trying to do the thing that Abrams pulled off successfully, which is to say, people are coming back here from the future. Therefore, if things deviate from what you already know, it's because time travel. Yeah. That works in the Abrams movies because they called it out and said it out loud. This is an alternate timeline. Vulcan is now destroyed. Everything is different. Here, we don't know that. It just feels like they want that as as sort of a loophole as like, well... This contradicts the original series because of the temporal Cold War. It mm-hmm. used to be that way, but now it's this way. And it just feels more cowardly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't love that. Yeah. That said, I did like the Suleban. I like the look of them. I like the- their weird... The whole thing was they were genetically modified to have all these weird abilities. They had no bones. They could, like, slip under a door, like, yeah. flatten themselves and, like, all kinds of cool shit. Oh, squishy. All yeah, um, Phlox uh, had one of them cut open, and he was shining different lights on their organs, and they were changing color. Like, yeah, that was neat. They were weird. Like, I, they were more alien than, like, that's one of the things I bitched about for a long time is more alien aliens. And yeah, they were definitely more alien. The uh, the weird compound eyes were super fucking cool. Yeah, no, and and the their skin, the texture of their skin was didn't just look like makeup. Like they actually put some latex on, or maybe it was a post production. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how they did it. But it looked more like rubber and less like human skin that was painted. Yeah. Which I liked. It looked like it was made of a different substance than the normal human skin. And I, I, overall, I just, I like the look of them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the aliens, like we're going to, they're kind of locked into some of the original, like I know we're going to have to see Andorians and Teller, right? Like they're locked into some goofy ass 60s stuff. Well, the thing is, then you take that and you sort of, you know, make it look better. Yeah, but on the other hand, I like them being able to innovate and come up with new weird shit like the Suleban. And I hope they get to do some of that along with having to having to polish the 60s stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's, you know, there's room to do both, I think. Yeah. Like I, I'm, lo- I'm very much looking forward to the first Tellarite showing up because those costumes were fucking garbage back in the day. <laughs> yeah, they were. This they is were a like- goddamn pig mask. Yeah, but it was also like an ill-fitting pig mask. Yeah. And then also the Andorians, who were just uh, blue guys with antenna. Mm-hmm. And I oh. know Jeffrey Combs plays one, and that's I'm already looking forward to that. I uh, fucking I love the Andorians. Yeah, I mean they're they're goofy as hell. They look like such throwback cheesy like sci-fi things, but in a good way. That's why I love the Andorians. Yeah, no, just like I liked um, uh, in the original series, the the first the very first guys from the cage. Uh huh. That's another very classic alien design. The yeah. big bulbous headed guys like. Very cool looking. I am I wrong? Don't the Andorians have like four genders? Could be. I, I think remember. I think I remember that. I honestly know almost nothing about them as a culture. Because for an incredibly important race for Star Trek, they haven't shown up since the original series. And see, but that's good in a way. Like that actually gives you like we talked about how the show's largely unnecessary and it kind mm. of is, but there's certain gaps that they could fill in. Like Okay, the four founding members of the Federation are the humans and the Vulcans, which we know obviously a lot about. Yeah. And then the Endorians and the Tellarites, which we both know almost nothing about. So let's fill in those gaps a yeah. little bit. And I know that they do. So that's one good thing that they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, one of my bad things. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. There, there were two things I picked out before we even started. Like, I knew this was good. My good thing was going to be the dog. My bad thing was going to be that fucking theme song. <laughs> Faith of the Heart. That's not even the title, but that is the, the chorus, so that's what I call it. No. Um, this is this is completely true. Not made up. The song was performed by Rod Stewart on the Patch Adams soundtrack. 
Well, somebody, somebody saw that and said, let's get that. Oh, we can't afford the Rod Stewart version. Let's get a cover. Good enough. Oh, <clears throat> it's the worst. It's it's bad. It's got it, the visuals we talk. You talk. We're talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's outstanding. It's this great montage starting with like the earliest uh, sailing ships at going up through like early space travel up to now. And that is cool. You put that to like your classic like any kind of Star Trek opening that's like mm. classical music, like that would be great. But a, a, a power ballad with lyrics? I've I, watched it. I'm like, this is a fucking TGIF theme song. Yeah, it's real. Might as well be playing the perfect strangers theme. <laughs> well, there is that, that there is a version on YouTube where they, they play the perfect strangers. Oh my theme. God. Seriously. Yeah. You didn't know okay. that. No, I must, I mean, I must, I, I must've heard about it and forgot. Yeah, you must've picked it. that up to make that specific reference. Yeah. Cause there's like, yeah, no, there's, there's actually a version of that on YouTube. That it's That's the Enterprise opening okay. theme with the yeah, and the thing is, I saw Perfect Strangers a little bit when I was a kid, but for some reason, my brain wants to put in the Mr. Belvedere theme. That would be amazing too. Streaks on a China. Yeah. Never matter before. Yep. Who cares? I yeah, know everybody. Everybody knows that the the theme song was terrible. I had to say it once. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to ever listen to it again. Like Mind I'll turn, I'll mute dropping. it or skip it, but uh, terrible. Um, I already talked about my other According to our new arrival, life is more than their survival. We got a lot to cover, Matt. Do you really want to really fill the hour with live the, the good life yet? The, the Mr. Belvedere theme. <laughs> also, when I think of Mr. Belvedere, I actually think of Webster. Everything's all confused. <laughs> all those shows really do sort of tie together when you're a kid. Yeah, well, and they were on the same network and they ran like back to back. Yep. So they kind of run together, and they probably did a crossover once or twice. Mm-hmm. Almost definitely. Is this a crossover episode? <laughs> Bojack Horseman. <laughs> um, what else? Those. Were uh, let me have a look at my notes here. Did I sort of address? I got a big rant here that I. Yeah, you did. I, I don't know if you addressed it, but you do have the rant. I got. You should get to that if you. I can. think I got to most of the uh, okay. the points here. Uh, there was a lot of, like, more than I think any other pilot, even Farpoint, which had a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, let's take two minutes and talk about my backstory now. Like, almost, it almost felt like a Shakespeare soliloquy where they would stop, turn to the audience and say, so I was born in an Earth <laughs> colony, da-da-da-da-da, and then they go back to the action. Like, yeah, basically. It, it was real sloppy. It was mm-hmm. really badly integrated. And I know... Pilots have a lot to unload. I get that, and, uh, and our compl- pilots are fucking hard. Yeah, and our complaint, our main complaint, was we didn't know enough about any of these characters, and they certainly tried, mm. but it didn't work. Like it was sloppy and overly informative without also teaching us anything. So it was yeah. sort of the worst of all. Uh, what else? At one point, uh, uh, we were talking about that scene with Hoshi where he's like, "Do you want to learn Klingon? Shouldn't it be Klingon-y? Yep. They're all learning to speak Klingon-y. They're all learning to speak Klingon-y. Oh, uh, t- um, T'Pol was, uh, like, uh, looked at uh, Archer's dog in disgust. And, like, dude, you have pets. Oh, that bugged the crap out of me. Yeah, you have, like, like, Spock had a pet. Yeah. I, my, my working theory is that she's allergic. That could be. They were a jerk. They were jerks to her. Oh, like, Totally. They knew when they she fucking was, bring uh, her in and just like, yeah. So you're a Vulcan, huh? Fucking yeah, Archer Vulcan and gonna uh, cry? 
country boy are just really ganging up on her. And they know she's a vegetarian. That's a cultural thing. Yeah. And so they don't have any food for her. Well, you can have this breadstick. Everything else is meat. Yeah. Like, come on, really? You knew she was coming. You didn't bring any food for her. That's what it. Well, they bring it. They, they do. They bring her a salad. I know, but then they both have giant steaks right down. They eat the biggest her. fucking steaks I have ever fucking seen. And it's not like, oops, we are accidentally being inconsiderate. No, this was a deliberate thing. I remember not liking T'Pol, and I don't remember why, and part of it might have to do with the actor going and bad-mouthing Star Trek fans, because she did do that. She's one of those people who's like, ugh, these nerds, I don't want to go to those conventions, those are Mm. losers. Like, I didn't love that. That said, so far, I'm pretty sympathetic with her. Like, the humans are all trying to fuck things and trying to, like, interfere with other cultures, and and she's like, no, please don't. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm on her side on most of that. Not all of it. She's a bit of a jerk in some ways. But I I'm like I'm with her on a lot of that. Like um, the whole thing was, and we know this because we know Klingons from years and years of Star Trek. But she says, okay, we found this Klingon nearly dead. Uh, Archer's like, let's bring him back to his people. She's like, no, they're a warrior race, and he should be dead. And he's like, what? No, that's not how humans do things. Let's take him back to his people. Like, dude, yep. that's not how Klingons work. Like, I get that you, if a human acted like that, you would judge them, but these are aliens. They're not like you. It just, it, right off the bat, our our captain is completely disregarding the wishes of other species and disregarding the wiser species who's already been there saying, yeah. this isn't how things are done. Like, ugh, knock it off. No, you don't get much more human in Star Trek than that. Yeah, but again, when Kirk broke the rules, he, he did it with a smirk and... Like, I don't know. Like, Kirk was charming. He pulled yeah, no, it off. Archer just crosses his arms and grimaces. No, he squints. And he squints. I don't know that Scott Bakula's eyes open all the way. <clears throat> they just constantly no, squint. Certainly not without help. No. Has to put in those little, those little, uh, eye hold open things from Clockwork Orange or else they'll just steal shut. Yep. Those things aren't torture devices. They're made for people with Bakula's disease. Yep. Uh, what else? Oh, did we talk? We talked about the sexy oil scene, right? Uh, we talked about how fucking embarrassing it was. It was maybe the worst, like the the most cringe-inducing thing. Start well, no, Seven gets raped. Episode was worse. Yeah, but, yeah. But this, this is, is still pretty bad. This is still fucking bad though. And like, man, you put you take off to Paul's uniform and her like. They iced her nipples before they started. Yeah, filming. no, she was just poking right out of there. Like she, all she was wearing is a sports bra and underwear, and her, like she basically was topless. And I mean, like you know, f- to f- fair play. They also super accentuated Trip's dick. Well, Trip is a muscly guy, and he was all oiled down. Like he looked like you know, mm-hmm. he looked like a porn star. But I mean, like they go past his like super tight fucking underwear, and yeah, I know it's it's all, and he's like paying special attention to her ears. Yeah. Like, I, it's so clear. Like, I don't know this, and I don't want people to tell us this, but I'm pretty sure these two are going to end up together mm-hmm. because they telegraph the fuck out of it here. Oh, yeah. They're, they're angry at each other while they're doing this sexy thing, and they're it's it's most of the conflict with her comes up with him, mm-hmm. and it's so clear they're going to kiss at some point, and it's so sloppy and terrible. Yeah. Just it's the whole just, scene's real, real fucking gross. It is, and it doesn't, it doesn't, do anything. Well, I mean, Sometimes, you can easily have them doing anything while they're having this conversation. Yeah. No, it felt like um, uh, in uh, Game of Thrones, they call it sex position, mm-hmm. where because 
giving long speeches of information you need is boring. Let's also show people fucking while we're doing it. Yeah. And I, I get that. I, I mean, you know, Game of Thrones is just a crazy, over-the-top, exploitive show in every aspect. That Star Trek is not like that. I mean, it shouldn't be. No, it definitely shouldn't be. Uh, what else? What else? I like the um, away team leathery, leathery jackets. I, I like the uniforms in general, but yeah, specifically yeah. they had these nice, like, they look sort of quilted. Yeah, they're, they, they look almost like armored, which I think is cool for an away team thing. Yeah. Um, I like, I like, you know, I like if you're going to go down to a planet, you're going to, you're prepared for it. It's not just like, you know, the Trek uniform. Put on a jacket. Yeah, it's cold. That, it's snowy. It. Yeah. No, I, I liked that too, actually. And the only, the only tiny, tiny germ of a good thing in that oil scene is, okay, we, like, I, it felt like the costume guys wanted to show off, look, we made, like, special underwear for the outfit, like, now you see what's under it, too. Mm-hmm. And that, that's not enough. That doesn't justify it. But it's like, we designed a really good uniform, and here's what the under part looks like. Okay. <laughs> the underwear looks a lot like the Star Trek underwear you can buy off of ThinkGeek. <laughs> yep. Like the uniform underwear? Yep, I know yeah. what you mean. It's got a little Starfleet insignia on it, probably. Exactly. Yep. Oh, that's the thing. I like the new, uh, I like the, 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 the Enterprise uniform logo. It's got a little shot of the, uh, it's like a little picture of the ship and like a circle. Well, it looks like a, it looks like a NASA patch. Yeah, there you go. Like the patches that the, the guy, the actual NASA astronauts get on their uniforms when they go on the space shuttle or whatever. Yeah, but it looks real neat. Like I, I'd own one of those. Yeah. No, I like those uniforms, and I was surprised because, I, again, my my only problem with them is that they're kind of drab, and against the drab gray, it's yeah. just wears, like, I want some color, man. Like, it's such a dumb thing to want, but Star mm-hmm. Trek is always such a colorful show to me, it's weird that there isn't any. Yeah, just less of a dark blue, even, you know? Well, I, no, no, I get, I think if the inside of the ship was brighter, then yeah. the uniforms could stay exactly the same, that would be fine. It's just both together mm-hmm. are the problem for me. All right, anything else? Uh, I think that's all, everything I sort of wanted to talk about. We had a lot to cover, but, uh, and and a lot of the stuff is going to come up next week, so it's not like we have to get to every single thing. I think we covered the main points. Uh, There wasn't a lot of quotable, I know that. Oh, God, no, I had such a hard time finding a quote. Yeah, what'd you come up with? Uh, End of the day, I went for something goofy. I am sorry, Captain, I am doing the best I can. Excuse me. His prefrontal cortex is hyperstimulated. I doubt he has any idea what he's saying. I think the doctor's right, Captain, unless Stinky Boots has something to do with all this. Yeah, they, I mean, you know, having the linguist trying to think on her feet is always, like, that's an easy laugh, but it's still mm-hmm. a good laugh. Like, it's not, yeah. it's good comedy. It's just easy comedy. Like, uh, hmm, your mother is a bidet. Like, okay, that that's always funny to me. My nipples explode with delight. <laughs> Uh, no, that's to Paul's nipples. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, my mine is um, basically sort of a meta commentary on um, uh, Archer uh, hearing about the temporal Cold War and saying this: "The Cabal doesn't make decisions on its own. They're simply soldiers fighting a temporal Cold War." Temporal. You've lost me. They're taking orders from the distant future. What? And yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I don't find him very sympathetic or likable, but I agree with him there. Mm-hmm. That made me squint too. <laughs> just real squinty. Just, just squint. That, re- that really squints my eyes. That really squints my eyes. All right. 
Uh, so I guess that's all for this time. That's it. Um, so that's for, great. First episode of Enterprise. No, and again, I as as a as a fan of Star Trek, I wish it was better. But as a reviewer, lot to talk about, lot to make jokes about. Yep. We will definitely like that's that's always the funnest thing for me going into a new series. The 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 stuff finding, we latch on to. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's definitely like. Uh, somebody, somebody had pointed out that uh, Trip, you can make a lot of Florida man jokes with him. <laughs> so that would be fun. Might yep. steal that from whichever listener I don't remember off the top of my head uh, had suggested that. So Trip's a real idiot. Uh, he seems to be. Like but the thing is, it's it's certainly not impossible. There are a lot of there are a lot of perfectly intelligent, perfectly cultured people from the South. But but TV shorthand. Uh-huh. You give someone a southern accent, you assume they're dumb. Fair or unfair? I'm not. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that's how TV works. You hear that southern accent, you think he's an idiot, and uh, it really doesn't help. Like, so far, that's all I have is well, concern it, dag nabbit. Well, them Tucker boys sure did get themselves into a mess, bucket of mayonnaise. Oh boy, yeah. So that'll that'll be fun going forward. Yeah. All right. Um, so next week, uh, next week we will show you another one. Yes. So. Uh, yeah. See you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're 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 still just doing this.